Well, I want to welcome everybody. Today, we're continuing our little series called Peace. Last weekend, we looked at peace with God, and today, we're going to look at peace with ourselves. I'm glad that you're here, whether you're in the room or you're at home or all the way around the world. We're thankful you're a part of the Sagebrush family. Let's get into the message today. Happened back right around the 4th of July, around the year of 2015, my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, wanted to travel to Kansas City. She wanted to drive to Kansas City from Albuquerque, and Mom and I said, okay, you go ahead and you drive, just be safe, obey the laws of the land. Well, she didn't do that so well. She got all the way to Oklahoma, and there was a wreck on the highway that caused the lanes to merge into one lane, so there was a big backup as a result, and I think she was probably going a little bit over the speed limit, and she went over the hill, and the traffic was backed up. It startled her. She slammed on the brakes as quickly as she could, and she crashed into the car in front of her. The car behind her had the same kind of reaction time as a Ram 1500 pickup truck pulling a U-Haul. He smashed into the back of her. I got some pictures of the car, how messed up it was. And when I got on the phone with Mackenzie, she said, Dad, you won't believe it, but my tire rolled right past me. I said, that's the craziest thing. I've never heard of a tire taking a, but there's the tire gone right there. You saw the tire earlier on top of the hood. So she was the sandwich, you know, the, the in-between of the, of the Oreo cookie. She was the delicious frosting in the middle, you see. And so she's hurting. She doesn't feel great. I said, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? My wife is panicking. There was a police officer that was there. Now, now my daughter is eight hours away. I I said to the police officer, I said, listen, someone's going to get there as soon as possible. Can you impound the vehicle? Just go ahead and take it to the tow yard because I know it's going to be totaled. There's no way that that car is ever going to run again. And could you take my daughter to a hotel? Let me know what hotel it is because she wasn't injured. She was sore, you know, whiplash, things like that. But she needed to go to the hospital. So would you take her to the hospital and and we'll get there as soon as we can. And the officer was very kind, and he called me after he dropped her off, and I hung up the phone. I looked at my wife, and my wife said, one of us needs to go. So I waited for a second to figure out which one of us she was talking about, because I wasn't wasn't real sure when she said, one of us needs to go. So sure enough, she grabbed her keys, and she took, no, I'm just kidding. I I took, I I guess one of us is me of us. Okay, I'll go. And so I packed my little bag together, and I headed out, and I drove seven hours and 47 minutes. Not that I was watching the clock, but it was seven hours and 47 minutes before I arrived. Got there at one o'clock in the morning. She had had the heater on the hotel cranked up to like, I don't know, 90 degrees. She was in shock. And so we stayed up for an hour or so. We talked to each other. Finally, it was time to go to bed. We got up really early the next morning around 6, 6.30. We headed to the impound yard. We had to get all of her personal belongings, all the things that she had left in the car. And then we started to head out to head back home once again. Well, I didn't have any windshield wiper fluid in my wife's car. My wife, I was driving my wife's car. She didn't have any windshield wiper fluid. And I think the state bird for Oklahoma is a bug because it looked like a giant just sneezed all over my windshield. If you've ever driven through Oklahoma, Texas, you know what I'm talking about. And so I got to get some windshield wiper fluid. I got to clean this off my car. So we stop at a, at a gas station, and I begin to gas up, and, and I open up my hood, and I bring the hood all the way up. And yeah, I'm bone dry. When I saw, I'll just go in there and get some. But I didn't want 
leave my hood up, so I closed my hood back down, but I didn't latch it. And then I went back over to the gas station inside, and I said, do you have any windshield wiper fluid? They said they didn't. Well, I was hungry. We needed to have a little bit of breakfast. They had Krispy Kreme donuts there. Now, that's a good time right there, Krispy Kreme donuts. So I ran back outside. I took to my daughter. I said, listen, we got Krispy Kreme donuts. Do you want some Krispy Kreme donuts for breakfast, or do you want us to go across the street through that drive-thru of that McDonald's, get an egg McMuffin? She said, Dad, I'd rather just go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And I looked at her like, I don't even know who you are right now. Because who gives up a Krispy Kreme donut for a McDonald's egg McMuffin? That doesn't make any sense. You're not my child. I know that right now. And so I go back in, and I pay for the gas, and I come back, and I get in my car, and I drive over to the McDonald's, and we get the ugly, gross egg McMuffin, and then we pull out, and we're heading to the highway. I get about 200 yards away from the highway when all of a sudden the wind picked up, and that hood that I didn't latch, went flying straight back. Now, have you ever had this happen to you? Here's some pictures and some video of some people who have had that happen to them. I didn't have any video camera going at the time. Whoa, there it is right there. And that's what I did when it did. I was, oh my goodness, what in the world's going on? So I pull immediately over to the side of the road. And I, oh yeah, these are bad right here. That, that could have been me. What I was fortunate with is my hood stayed on, so I was fortunate with that. It didn't crash and break my windshield, so I was fortunate with that. And it was able to latch back down again, so I was fortunate with that. So I slammed it down. I thought, man, Todd, you're the dumbest person on the face of the earth not latching your hood. So I got back in the car, and I began to drive down the road when all of a sudden I saw this. Both of my front quarter panels on the left side and the right side look like I was now driving Thor's helmet. Do you understand what I'm saying? Both quarter panels were raised up. This is my wife's car. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I got to call my wife and tell her what an idiot I am, that I forgot to latch the hood, that I've done damage to her car. And she was so kind. She was so great. She said, just get home. I don't care about the condition of the car, but I care about the condition of the car. For the next seven hours and 47 minutes, I beat myself up. I mean, I yelled at myself inside my head, Todd, you're such a moron. You're so stupid. What in the world's wrong with you? Why didn't you latch that hood down? That's ridiculous that you didn't do that. And I had all this self-defeating talk. Even when I look at those pictures today, I still get mad at myself over what I did. Well, I dropped my daughter off. I take the car over to get it appraised to find out how much it's going to cost to fix it. You ready? It was $2,000. That adds what you call insult to injury. Friends, let me ask you something. You ever beat yourself up? You ever play things in your mind from your past, of foolish things that you did, and you look at yourself and you say, you're such a moron, you're so stupid, you're so dumb, I cannot believe that you did that. But for you, maybe it's worse than just not latching the hood on your car. Maybe for you it was the abortion. Maybe it was the DUI. Maybe it was living with that boyfriend or that girlfriend. Maybe for you, you look back upon your life and your past and you say, it was the marriage that I was in. It ended in divorce. And you know that if you would have been more serious maybe about your relationship with Christ, or maybe they would have been more serious about their relationship with Christ, maybe there were some things that you could have done differently. And maybe you would still be with that person. And maybe if you'd have fought a little harder for the relationship and put Jesus maybe as the centerpiece. And you have regret with all that. You have guilt with all that. So many parents 
carry around massive amounts of guilt because their kids didn't turn out the way that they hoped that they would. They rebelled against God, they rebelled against them, and they carry around this bag of guilt. And they say, I should have done this differently, and I, and I should have done that differently. And no doubt, every single parent can look back upon their parenting and say, oh man, I made some mistakes along the way. But some of us, we take responsibility for the actions of somebody else. At the end of the day, the child has their own choices. Parents, if you've been beating yourself up over your kids, can I just let you on a little secret? This has helped me an awful lot. When your kids are doing great, don't take all the credit. And when your kids are doing poorly, please don't take all the blame. But here we sit, full of guilt, full of shame. Some of us feel guilty and ashamed of the way we spent money and how we wasted money on this purchase and that purchase. Maybe it's past sexual encounters that you had along the way. Some of us sit here just overwhelmed by guilt and shame because you have addictions and you have habits and you've tried everything in your power to break free from this and you just keep going back to it again and again and again. And so you end up in the cycle of shame. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. We'll put it over here on the big board. The first thing is we experience an intensely painful event. We look back upon our life. We say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I was involved in that. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a moron. What in the world is the matter with me? So we experience an intensely painful event, which leads us to believe that our pain and our failure is who we are. It's not just something that we've done. And so we experience shame. We begin to identify with the greatest failure of our life. I guess I'll always be a drunk. I guess I'll always be addicted to drugs. I guess I'll always be a dropout. I guess I'll always be a divorcee. I guess this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. I will be identified with the greatest failure of my life. And that leads to the cycle number three. Finally, our feelings of shame trap us into thinking we can never recover. That there's no hope for us. That in fact, We don't even deserve to recover. So we start saying things like this. God could never forgive me. God can forgive everybody else, but he can't forgive me. Because I tell you, what I did was so bad and so heinous. And you carry around this guilt and the shame everywhere you go. And you beat yourself up for it. And every once in a while, it comes to the forefront of your brain. And when you do, it just beats you up again. And all of a sudden, it just puts you into a deep, dark depression. And you think to yourself, I've got to carry this for the rest of my life. I'm never going to be able to forgive myself. Now, let me tell you about guilt and, and shame. It can't change your past. You know that, right? Just like worry can't change your future. It only makes you miserable for today. So how do we break free? How do we finally, how do we finally forgive ourselves? For what we've done. Well, the forgiveness that we have for ourselves is all rooted in an understanding of the forgiveness of God. You know, He gives us love when we don't have love, right? He gives us grace when we don't have grace. He gives us forgiveness when we don't have forgiveness. And we understand the forgiveness of God, then maybe, just maybe, we can give ourselves a break as well and realize that we don't have to pay the price for that sin because the price has already been paid by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's look at this for a second. If we want to leave the guilt behind, if we want to leave and learn to forgive ourselves for the things we've done, the first thing is this. We need to understand the forgiveness of God. And the first thing I want you to write down is this. God's eager to forgive you. God's eager to forgive you. I, I've probably said this a thousand times from this platform, but I'm going to say it again. 
God is more eager to forgive us of our sin than we are willing to ask for his forgiveness. It's God is the one who searches us out. We've been alluding to this the last few weeks. You know, Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden, right? And, and Eve stands next to the tree, and Adam's right there, wussy husband. He's right there next to her. And the serpent comes up and says, why don't you take a bite of that? You'll just be like God, and you'll know good and evil and all that stuff. And so what do they do? They take the fruit. What's the next thing they did? They hid. They did the wrong thing. They rebelled against God. They sinned against God. And their immediate response was to hide from God. And there's a whole bunch of us here in this room. There's a whole bunch of us watching at home. You know what you've been doing the last few years? You've been hiding from God. Oh, you, you, you come to church and then you go through the routine, but you feel a distance and you feel a guilt and you feel regret and you don't feel the forgiveness of God. You're hiding from God. What, what does God do for Adam and Eve? He calls out to them, doesn't he? Adam! Adam! Where are you? Is God lost? <laughs> no. Adam's lost. And God keeps calling out to him because he wants Adam to be found. And the only way Adam's going to be found is if God keeps calling out to him to come clean, to come out, to admit what he has done. And were there consequences to it? You bet there was. And there's consequences to sin, isn't there? But the whole goal of God calling out to Adam was to reconcile him, to get him back in the right shape once again. It's God that was seeking him out. Friends, I think that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And as Christians, when we do the wrong thing, and if you're not a Christian, I think the Holy Spirit also does this for you. I think he convicts you of sin. He lets you know that this isn't right. This is wrong. You shouldn't go this direction. You need to repent of this. You need to come clean. Ali, ali, oxen free. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come home. Look at what the Bible says here in Psalm verse 86, verse 5. It says, you're forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Circle that little phrase, to all that call to you. you got to come out of hiding. And you got to say, it's me. It's me. you got to quit acting like everything's okay you got to quit acting like the things that happened in the past didn't happen. you just got to tell him what's up. you got to ask him for his forgiveness. you got to repent of that sin. And he will be kind and loving and forgiving to you. Let me tell you a second thing about God's forgiveness. is that His forgiveness has no end. Now, now this is where it gets hard for us because we think God's forgiveness is like man's forgiveness. And man's forgiveness definitely has an end. Right? I mean, you, you mess me over one time, okay, I'll forgive you. You mess me over twice, I'm going to keep my eye on you. I might forgive you a second time. But you mess me over a third time, I'm done with you. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to do any business with you. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Because all you're doing is stabbing me in the... Oh, there's a limitation, isn't there, to the forgiveness of man. And so we, we can't really fully comprehend and understand the forgiveness of God that it knows no limits. Do you remember that day when Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, how many times should we forgive our brother? Up to seven times. Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And so Peter immediately whips out the calculator and figures out what the mathematics is. And says, oh, 490 times, I guess that's when we stop. But that's not Jesus' point, is it? 
He's not saying, on oh, number 491, don't forgive anymore. He's saying, just keep on forgiving. Forgive in the same way that God has forgiven you. Can you imagine if you blew it again and you came to God and God whispered through the power of his Holy Spirit and said, no, I'm not forgiving you. I'm done. You've gone over your quota. Let's just face facts. You're a moron. You keep doing the same things you say you're not going to do. I'm kind of sick of it. Now, I don't know how many sins that is, but it's in a whole lot. And that's just past my grace. That's just past well, my quota for forgiveness. And the blood of Jesus, it only is for this many sins. But once you pass over that, the blood of Jesus isn't effective anymore. Now, if you realize how ludicrous that is, and what a crazy statement that is. You're well on your way now to maybe forgiving yourself. Because if God can forgive you again and again and again and again and again, and we're supposed to forgive in the same way we've been forgiven, then shouldn't we also forgive ourselves in the same way that he's forgiven us? Look what the Bible says here in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Jeremiah writes, yet this I call to mind, and therefore what? I have hope. Isn't that what you're looking for today? You're looking for hope, for a new start, a second chance, a clean slate. Therefore, I have hope. Why do you have hope, Jeremiah? Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let me give you one more thing. God forgives our sin and forgets about our sin. Again, this is so unlike us, isn't it? This is why we have a hard time grasping the forgiveness of God. This is why we have a hard time forgiving ourselves because we think that God keeps throwing our sin in our face. And you've heard it, right? It keeps coming back up in your head over and over and over again. It could be stuff that you did years ago. And all of a sudden you're having a great day and all of a sudden something triggers it and you remember it and you feel bad and you feel guilty. And you're like, am I ever going to overcome this? Is this going to follow me to my grave? And the reason we think that that's God that's doing that is because we think that God throws our old sins in our, in our face. God doesn't do that. Did you know that? God forgives. You ready for this? And he forgets. Does he have Alzheimer's? Is that what's going on with God? Does he have dementia? Is that what's, you know? He chooses to forget. He chooses to remember your sin no more. Who's the great accuser? Who's the one who accuses the brethren over and over and over again? Who's the one who makes you believe that you're a louse, that you're no good, that you'll never amount to anything? That is Satan. The next time he reminds you of your past, you stop him. And you remind him of his future. He's bound and determined to go to hell. And that's where he's going to end up. Listen to these verses of scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Because he chooses to remember our sins no more. Isaiah 44, 22. I have swept away your sins like the morning mist. I have scattered your offenses like the clouds. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Oh, return to me. Come out of hiding. I've paid the price to set you free. Micah 7, verse 19. Once again, you'll have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. 
Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 10, 17, I'll forgive, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. And let's read Romans 8, 1 together. Responsive reading. You got up on the big board? Here it is. Ready? So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now let's say it this time as if we're not monotone. Are you ready? Here we go. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's what God says about your past. Know the truth. Grasp the truth. He said, I don't feel forgiven. He says, I don't feel forgiven. I can't forgive myself. Let me let you on a little secret. God's forgiveness isn't based on your feelings. Feelings are unreliable. You know that, don't you? How many times in your life have you felt guilty when you shouldn't have even felt guilty? And how many times have you felt, you haven't felt guilty when you should have felt guilty? Just ask your wife. She'll tell you all the times that that happened to you. Feelings come, feelings go. Feelings are completely unreliable. The fact of the matter is, is, is that God says this is what he does to our past. When we confess our sin, he forgives us. And then he looks at you and he says, now you forgive yourself. Stop bringing up what I've already forgotten about. I've already removed it. I've already washed you as white as snow. Now there's a second reason why we can't seem to forgive ourselves. And one is because we haven't embraced the forgiveness of God, which there in turn would give us the ability and the power to forgive ourselves. But there's another reason we can't seem to overcome this, and that's because we've never made it right with those that we've hurt. Maybe you didn't make it right with God, so you need to do that. And next step is you got to make it right with the person that you've wounded, the person that you've hurt. Maybe the person that you've hurt is your child. And, and so you kind of brush it over, you know, but there's a distance now between you and your son or you and your daughter because you blew it and you wouldn't come clean and you wouldn't ask for their forgiveness. And so now there's a, a barrier between the two of you. What, what if you just apologized and asked for their forgiveness? Maybe that would remove those feelings of guilt away. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a past relationship. Uh, maybe it's in your marriage. It could be anybody. Have you done everything in your power to make things right with them? Have you gone to them and apologized for what you did? Did you ask for their forgiveness? Let me see how serious Jesus takes this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. This is Jesus speaking. If you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering... Leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. So you're here in church right now and we're talking about this and all of a sudden I say, hey, have you made it right with the person that you've wounded? And all of a sudden a name came into your mind. A situation came into your mind. You're like, I need to do something about that. That's why I'm still carrying this around. I haven't made it right with that person. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't asked for their forgiveness yet. And I just imagine how free you would be if you finally had the conversation. Now, some of you are looking at me right now, and your arms are folded, and you're like, I'm not doing that. I get that. It's a scary thing to do, isn't it? 
you say, Todd, they don't want anything to do with me anymore after all I did to them. They don't want, they don't want to see me. They don't want to talk to me. And, and there's no guarantees, Todd, that when I go to them and I ask for their forgiveness and I apologize that they're going to give me a big hug and say, oh, I've been waiting so long. Yeah, you're forgiven, and I'm going to feel real great at that point. You say, well, Todd, there's a greater chance they're going to cuss me out. There's a greater chance they're going to say, you know, I never wanted to see you again when I told you that way back in the day, and I don't want to see you now, and I'm never going to forgive you, so you get gone. And you know what? That's true. It could happen, couldn't it? But it doesn't change your responsibility. You still have to go to the person. Because that's what Jesus says we have to do. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says, uh, if it's possible, <laughs> as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everyone. Now, now listen, the, the Bible knows it's not necessarily possible. There are some people that want to hold a grudge against you, that want to put it on you, that want to tell you what a no good so-and-so you are, and they're never going to forgive you. So if it's possible, sometimes it's just not possible, but as long as it depends on you, you do what you need to do. And you attempt to live at peace with everyone. You're only responsible for your actions. You're not responsible for their reactions. You're to be faithful to what God wants you to do. Now some of you look at me, Todd, and say, I don't even know where that person is anymore. And, you know, I, I, they don't have Facebook, they don't have Instagram, they don't, they don't have any of that social media stuff. I, I, they might be dead, for all I know. And yet you still carry around this guilt. So I read a lot of different authors about this. And this is what was one of the threads that I read. They said, write a letter to that person apologizing to them, as if you're going to be able to hand that letter to them. They said there's something cathartic about writing out and apologize, even though that person's never going to receive that letter. There's something healing about doing that. I think here's the bottom line. You do whatever the Holy Spirit of God lays on your heart to do. To make things right with this person. And then that guilt, that regret will finally start to go away. So I need to ask you a question. Have you, have you done both of these steps? Have you made things right with God? Have you accepted the forgiveness of God and then in turn learned to forgive yourself because of his grace and mercy and love? And have you gone to the person that you've wounded and hurt and have you attempted to make things right with that person once again? Are you at peace with God and man? Some of us here aren't even at peace with God. You haven't confessed your sin in so long. You kind of sideswipe your sin. You act like your sin's not that big. You pray that little lame prayer that most Christians pray. Oh, by the way, God, forgive me for all my sin, right? And then you wonder why you carry around the guilt. You wonder why you carry around the regret because you've really never come clean. You've never been specific about the sin in your life. You've never been specific about the rebellion so you got to get specific with the Lord and say, I did this, I said this, I went to this place, I returned to this. I don't want to do this anymore. Will you forgive me? And then <laughs> you'll experience the forgiveness of God. Because you'll have had a moment with him where you've attempted to reconcile with him. You've come clean, you've come out of hiding with him. And you'll find just how eager God is to forgive you. And you'll also experience how amazing the love of God is. 
happened years ago. That there was a dad. He writes in a story about when he was a kid. He was uh, outside playing. His dad was outside doing some yard work. And he fell off his bicycle and broke his wrist. And it was pretty obvious that his wrist was broken. I mean, the bone was kind of seeping out of the skin. And he's screaming. And his dad picks him up as quickly as he can. He rushes him over into the car and gets in the car and gets heads to the hospital. And the whole time, the, 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 the guy is just crying out to his dad. Oh, dad, it hurts. It hurts so bad. Oh, dad, it hurts. The dad turned to his son, tears falling off his face. He said, I know, son, I know, son. I'm getting there as fast as I can. Oh, son, if I could take the pain from you, I would. The dad wrote, I never understood how much my dad loved me when I was a kid on that day when my wrist broke. Until there was a day I was out doing some yard work and I was putting a bunch of leaves together. I set them on fire to burn them. And my son was playing around the leaves and tripped over his own two feet, fell into the burning leaves, burnt the palms of his hands, third-degree burns. He said, I scooped up my son. I ran to the car as quickly as I could. I put him into the vehicle. We headed for the hospital. And my son said the same things I had said to my dad years ago. It hurts. It hurts, Dad. The pain is so great. The dad said, I looked at my son, and I echoed the same words that my dad had said years earlier. I know, son. I know. If I could take the pain from you, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You do realize that Jesus loves you so much that he took the pain for you. That he dies on that cross with nails in his hands and his feet and a crown of thorns upon his head so that you could be forgiven. And so you could walk in his forgiveness. And you could experience his love. And the Apostle Paul, he writes this in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I wish you could grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You don't think God's forgiven you? You don't think you can forgive yourself? Look to the cross. That's the Son of God dying on your behalf. That's the Son of God paying the price for your sin. Why is he paying it? So you can be forgiven. So you can have peace with God, peace with your fellow man, and peace with yourself. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper but if they confess and they turn from them, they'll receive mercy. Another translation of that proverb says it this way. says they'll get another chance. The Bible's full of people who get another chance, isn't it? Noah's called by God to build a great ark, and he builds it, and the animals come two by two, and the rain waters come, and 40 days and 40 nights didn't it rain, children. After a year, the water finally recedes. Noah gets off that crazy boat, makes himself a little vineyard, ferments the grapes, gets drunk, gets naked. He blew it. But the Bible says this of Noah, that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham was once a worshiper of idols. And once he decided to follow the Lord, he sold his wife for some cows. If you haven't done that, you're not as bad as Abraham, okay? 
Later on, he sleeps with his wife's maidservant at her request. This guy's one jacked up dude. Yet the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. Moses killed a man. He's a murderer. Heads out into the desert. Feels like he's too far gone. God could never use him again. Forty years he's out there tending sheep. Then one day he sees a burning bush, goes out to the burning bush, and God talks to him and says, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses comes up with every reason and excuse in the book as to why he can't be used by God ever again. Nevertheless, God used him. And Moses was the one used by God to part the Red Sea. So you get a second chance. God never, ever gives up. David should have been out to war. It was the time when kings should have been out to war. Instead, he was looking at a girl up on a balcony. and She was bathing. And he found out who she was, found out that she was married, called her, slept with her. She gets pregnant. He has her husband killed to cover up what he's done. Nevertheless, nevertheless, David is known after a, as a man after God's own heart. What about Peter? Denies knowing Christ not once, not twice, but three times. And yet, Jesus still uses Peter to start the church. And Paul, his name was Saul, a liar, blasphemer. One giving approval to Christians being thrown in jail. Giving approval to Christians being killed because they proclaim that Jesus has risen again from the dead. And Paul ends up being the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth. God wants to give you a second chance. So you got to come out of hiding. you got to ask him for it. And then he'll take your past and all your sin and all your regret and all the guilt and he'll remove it. And he'll throw it as far as the east is from the west and he'll remember your sin no more. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Help us to forgive ourselves in the way that you've forgiven us. Lord, if there's anybody here today that hasn't experienced your forgiveness, they've never asked for your forgiveness, I pray today would be the day they would come out of hiding and say, it's me. I need this grace. I need this forgiveness. I need this love. I'm tired of carrying this around everywhere I go. And Lord, I pray that you would so overwhelm us with your love and mercy and grace that we could forgive ourselves over the things we've done as well. Lord, for people that we need to go to, for conversations that need to be had, I pray you'd give us courage and the strength to have them. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would go before us and you would soften their hearts. And they would find forgiveness in their soul towards us so that we might reconcile and start all over again. Lord, we want peace. Peace with others, peace with you, and peace with ourselves. Help us to take this so seriously that we wouldn't just be merely hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.